Warning, Pro Tri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, Welcome to a special episode of Pro Tri News. As you could tell, we had a second intro. Um, if you're a big fan of triathlon podcasts, you've heard that intro before. Uh, it's Jack Kelly with the How They Train podcast. Jack's joining us today. Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I, I love your intro, by the way. I think it's, um, I think it's like if you guys stood by your intro and really did give exactly what your opinions are without being afraid of offending anyone, it would be the best triathlon podcast in the world. But I have a sneaking suspicion that despite that intro, you guys still only go at about 60% of real opinion. Well, our goal today is to go 100% opinion. So we can get into that a little later on. Do you think you have any, are you guys sitting on to any really controversial pro triathlon opinions right now that the world wouldn't know? Mm, I, I just have stuff that I, sorry, this is Talbot, by the way. Well, uh, and just to give everyone an update, we are posting our podcast, the Pro Trainers podcast and How They Train podcast on both channels. So if you are uh, listening in on Pro Tri News, Jack, you want to fill us in about your podcast real quick, just for our listeners that don't know who you are? Sounds great. We'll come back to your controversial opinion, Talbot. My podcast is called How They Train. Um, and I started it literally a year ago next week. Um, the reason why I started it was because I was I was training myself. So I used to be a pro triathlete, a very unsuccessful one who did literally nothing in his career. Um, but I can still say that. And then I got injured and went away from it, but wanted to stay involved in the sport. So took up a bit of cycling and I was training for our, uh, our road nationals, like our Australian road nationals last year. And it, the weather where I was was shit because I live up in the mountains a little bit. And I was spending 20, 25 hours a week on the kicker. And I was just like, I'd run out of all the podcasts I would usually listen to. And I'm like, I really want a triathlon podcast that I like, that's about training, that asks professional triathletes and coaches the questions I want to hear. And I listened to, you know, there wasn't a triathlon podcast I didn't listen to at that time, including your guys' your guys podcast. Probably my favorite of the bunch, not saying much because they all suck. Um, and so I was just like sitting there just like I want a podcast that is all these things I want to hear. And I waited, you know, a few months and I'm like, no one's going to make this. I can't find it. Like a couple of these other podcasts that – that I'm listening to, I just can't keep listening to. I don't enjoy them. And I just decided one day, fuck it, I'm going to make it. Um, and so I made it. And it's just a podcast that that literally asks professional triathletes, um, particularly long course triathletes, but professional triathletes in general and, and their coaches, questions about their training, really specifics on their training. Like we always go really deep. I, I try not to ask like the boring generic questions and, and like try and really pester them to give me more detail so that it feels like whoever comes on, say, for example, it's Sam Laidlow. If he comes on, we walk away from, from that episode knowing exactly how Sam Long trains, hence the name, how they train. And, and even more than that, how he thinks, how he races, his opinions on the sport. Um, we go into really like big detail on, on race breakdowns and that kind of thing. So yeah, I just, I made the triathlon podcast that I wanted to hear. And, and I hope because of that, 
that it's a triathlon podcast other triathlon fans want to listen to as well because I just consider myself a triathlon fan. And so I figure if these are the questions that, that I would want to hear answered, they're probably the questions most triathlon fans want to hear answered. Yeah, that's good. I feel like I started listening to it, I don't know, probably a couple of months ago, and I was just like, Jack does such a good job of like explaining his question in a way that spins it to almost forces an answer. Yeah, I think that is the thing, right? Because we don't have great media in triathlon. We we never have, even if you go to our premier event, which is the Ironman World Championships in Kona, the coverage is really bad um, and the commentary is really bad and the opinions you're hearing of the sport are really uneducated, um, not really well prepared or thought out. And I don't like that about, about the sport. So yeah, my goal is to really give everyone a platform where they can learn and hear and and like hear discussed triathlon opinions and, and conversation that we all really want but but aren't getting. So if that means, I guess that means that the athletes aren't really used to having those questions asked. They're used to very generic questions, um, talking about their racing really generically and their training almost not at all and, and definitely not the specifics of things like, you know, because the interviewers historically in triathlon don't really care. They'll ask a generic question like, how, how have you been, how are you feeling leading into this race? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, good. Like I came third at the Collins Cup last week. So things have been going good. And that's about the depth of it, generally speaking. Or they'll start talking about themselves or they'll start talking about triathlon in 2001 when, you know, that, that was when they actually followed the sport and they haven't followed it for 18 years, but still talk about it and, and are the only source that we have. So yeah, I think I think it's really important that when we're talking to these guys, these modern day professional triathletes, that we really try and delve deep and and not force them to, but in a way try and force them to to answer the questions that we really want we really want answered in the detail that we really want. Yeah, I I, I definitely noticed that the first time I uh, listened to y'all's podcast, uh, Beth and Luke posted it, which I believe was your second or third episode, right? I think Beth and Luke were like 12 and 13 from memory. Yep, 12, 12 and, 13. and 13. Okay. That's the first time I tuned in and I was like, oh, wow. Someone that actually knows how to interview. And it's funny because a lot of people, like I would say that I'm not a very good videographer. If you want to see like a very good videographer or photographer, like go look at someone like uh, Eric Lagerstrom. The guy knows how to like record incredible stuff. Um, there's tons of video, but I just know how, and what I've gotten better at and I pride myself at is how to ask the right questions to the athletes to get the right responses. And it's something that I would say, yes, a lot of the podcasts in our industry lack, which sad, but the truth. Well, it's just understanding the sport though, isn't it, Talbot? Like yeah. you're a fan of the sport and you watch the sport and you stay updated on the current day sport, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you go and watch any other sport in the world, F1, which we're, which we're fans of, or the UFC or for you guys over in America, NBA and NFL, the commentary team are recently retired athletes or very, very good experts who follow the game closely on a week-to-week -week basis. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I mean, we don't have to name names, but we can name names if you guys want. It depends how controversial you really want to be. Like I said, our, our sport is run by dinosaurs. So yeah. Iron Man, which is the big brand in our sport, it's, it's our UFC, it's what everyone watches, it's what everyone knows. The commentary team don't know what they're doing. They, they are old people who used to be involved in the sport and are still in Ironman's back pocket and they rock up and 
they don't even know who Max Newman is and he's sitting in second place at the Ironman World Championships, 90K into the ride. And and they're saying, that guy looks good. Or, you know, we've got a couple of, of podcasts that are, that are run by old dudes who... They don't know the sport. They ask these generic questions. They get shit wrong. They don't care. Whereas we care, don't we? Like mm-hmm. this is this this sport is our lives. We follow it. It's like it's it's being respectful to the sport and respectful to your audience. Like your audience is there because they also love the sport and they want to hear about it. They know that you. They can tell that you don't know what you're talking about or that you don't actually follow the sport anymore. Or if you do, it's in a really superficial way. Like maybe you start following it around around the Ironman World Championships, but you know through throughout the twelve months, do you actually follow it closely? Like I think that stuff is really obvious when you when you listen and you know for example um i listened to an interview with bob bob babbitt and cat matthews and he's just getting this stuff wrong and cat's sort of like laughing almost like what the fuck's this guy talking about He, he doesn't he's like he's confusing me with another athlete and that happens all the time but that guy is our is our most listened to media uh talent in in triathlon like but it's not because he follows the sport really closely. It's because he's always been around and he gets good access at the events because he's always been around, but he doesn't really understand the sport anymore. He doesn't follow it. And, you know, he ask him who's going to come top three at Ironman world championships. And he'd say, you know, Chris McCormack still a strap. He might even say Dave Scott's still a chance, I reckon. So I don't like that. Um, I, 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 I want to bring the sport into a bit of a new era and give the modern day triathlon fans content that they deserve. Um, yeah, it's important to me. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean on that. And in fact, one time I was laughing because I was talking to one of the uh, Ironman commentators ahead of the race. And I was like, oh, did you see the uh, the most recent Lionel video? And I think well, this was before maybe Montremblant Ironman. Lionel was like the, uh, you could say frontliner for the race. And of course, I'm a bit Lionel biased. Um, and they're like, oh, no, I never I never watched any YouTube, uh, any Lionel's YouTube. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like scratching my head. And I'm like, you this is your job a commentator so your job should be to go educate yourself on all these athletes so if you're about to frontline or be the lead commentator for an ironman this weekend and lionel's racing how have you not gone and checked in with all these athletes and educated yourself and done your homework and research it's just mind-boggling it's crazy like I can't tell you how many messages I get. So like um, probably the main way people communicate with me is through the how they train Instagram. I get like a lot of messages through there of people like messaging in and saying something about what we've talked about that week. And mm-hmm. Talbot, I can't tell you how many messages we get around the world championships that are just saying in really black and white terms how much they hate the commentary. So yeah. I, I would say I, I was going to count. I should go and count. I would say at least 250 messages saying that the commentary sucks, that it's unlistenable, that you have to mute it. I've never, ever once had one positive message about it. Not once. And yeah. I'm waiting for the day that someone messages me and goes, you know, it's not that bad. Like, it's it's pretty good. It hasn't happened yet. For for example, Matty White, who is an ex-professional Australian triathlete, he, he texted me. And he said, mate, I just got out the DeVolta drill. I'm, I'm just about to drill this through my kneecaps because it'll be less painful than listening to this commentary. <laughs> you know, and these are people who it. understand the sport and care about the sport. It, I just don't think it's good enough. And I, I love the PTO. I love that they're around. I love that Challenger are, are around. I, I want Ironman to have some competition because I don't like the dinosaur nature of it. And I don't really like the business model at the moment, which in my opinion is to squeeze as much out of the professional sport as you can 
by pu- but by putting in the least amount of effort, money, and care into that sport. I think they've forgotten that that the professional triathletes are what made the the brand Ironman. So throughout the the late nineties, the whole two thousands, people only knew about about Ironman because they watched the professional race at Kona um, through through the television coverage. And without that, Ironman isn't the brand it is today. So they've moved to this model of bringing in largely middle aged uh, people who are going through like they might be going through a, a, a whole heap of different things, but they want some purpose in their life. So they go, I'm going to, I'm going to do an Ironman or I'm going to do an Ironman 70.3 and, and they take it up and they do it. And usually they do one or two and then they're done. And Ironman is trying to bring in those people and make money off them. They make the prices ridiculously high. Um, and that's their business model. And I don't like that. I, I think, I think it's, um, it just feels empty to me in a way, especially when what I love about the sport is the professional side of it because I believe they're the best athletes on planet earth. I don't think there's a sport that has harder working, fitter, um, better, better endurance athletes than, than long course triathlon. And, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't think Ironman need them per se because they are such a massive business who can operate without them. But I think it's, I think it's a bit shitty that they just also forget that that's what got them to the dance. You know, it's, 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 it's like when you're really fat and then you start dating this pretty girl or pretty guy and they see through the, the, the fact that you're really fat because they love the person that you are. And then they stay with you and, you know, you're eating really bad, but they still love you because they, they see who you are. And, and then out of nowhere, you start to get skinny and then you start to get a bit of attention and, and then you cheat on the person who stood by you, you know, through all of your fat years uh, now, that, now that you're skinny and attractive. I feel that that's what Iron Man does to the professional sport is they they don't realise that 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 was they, that 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 was what made them and and that was what kept them going for so many years and now that they don't need them technically they they really do take advantage of them and pay them shitty money they provide shitty coverage that is literally just a money making thing it's not actually about covering the sport well the commentators suck. The, the people in charge don't understand the sport, definitely not the professional side of the sport. They, they really understand the money-making business side of the sport. Um, and, yeah, I don't like that. So I want to bring those conversations to the table. I want to present these athletes on a, in a way that, that does them justice and, and that people want to hear. And, and I, I love that about you guys as well because I know that you, you feel equally strongly about that. Yeah, that, that's definitely the truth. Yeah, I think our podcast, I mean – what we're trying to do is almost educate the the masses as far as like there is actually racing that goes on for 51 weeks out of the year that's not the Ironman World Championship in Kona. And these are your athletes that this person's won five races in a row and no one's even talking about them. This is your, your I mean, if you would have looked at the results, you could have easily seen that Colin was going to do well at the uh, PTO race. And our goal is to highlight all these different athletes and give them some sort of like little publicity, little snippets and nuggets here and there um, and get people excited about watching races in the week over the weekend. Because I mean, that's what I do on the weekends is I'll watch formula one on Sundays and then I'll watch either 70.3 or an Ironman uh, either on Saturday or Sunday at the same time, along with the short course racing and things like that. Hey, Kyle, 
Can I just quickly um, change the the subject here and go back to Talbot's controversial triathlon opinion? Because I feel like yep. he wanted me to forget about that, but I'm not going to forget about that, Talbot. <laughs> no, it's it's actually it's nothing I would ever discuss on here. I've actually told very few people. It was a matter that I won't even name where the event took place. We were at an Ironman event, and I saw something extremely sus that more than likely was someone disposing of drugs. Um, and it was something that I just like kind of rattled my brain and I was like, Oh my God. And uh, I went back and told some of the athletes I was staying with and it was a pretty big altercation. Uh, and, and unfortunately they had already gone to bed. So I wouldn't in the next morning I told them and they were frustrated too. Cause they're like, ah, oh, when, when that, something like that happens, you have to call the water, you sought a hotline so they can go investigate it. Some, some item, well, not items, a bag was disposed of down the street, long story short. Uh, and we went back to go see in that, tra- in that public trash can, if the bag was still there and uh, the city had already taken the trash but it was a pretty that's the most controversial thing i've ever seen um but uh, yeah that's that one still rattles my brain to this day <laughs> maybe maybe one day i'll tell the story once i'm not a, I guess i could definitely get a, a lawsuit or something if it wasn't the truth i could get like a lawsuit hedged against me or something like that well the the reality of the of those kind of situations is that without proof even if it is the truth talbot you could still get a lawsuit yeah. Um, which is exactly. pretty messed up, but a, a reality yeah. of that kind of thing. Hey, have you ever even told that part of this story on on Pro Tri News? No, never. I never told. I've never talked about that publicly ever. Only a very selective people I've told that to. But all the details of it is pretty wild. Okay, so how about this? How about I ask some questions, and you don't have to give specifics. You can be vague, but let's try and. I think it's fun for, for people listening to try and guess. Now, is that completely ethical? Maybe not, because then maybe some other athletes might get you know a bit of suspicion on them that, that they don't deserve. But who cares because it's fun. So you can be as vague as you want. I just, I just want the questions answered. So what, what city okay. did this take place in? I mean, if I said the city, it would, it would narrow it all the way down. You can tell, you can see the everyone on the start list. But we don't know the year, Talbot. I'll just say this. I'll just say this. It didn't happen in America. Okay, so it was in it was in Europe because it definitely wasn't in Australia or Asia. Kyle's laughing because he knows. I've t- I told Kyle the story like moments after it happened. Okay, so I'm just trying to... Uh, I'm <laughs> Talbot. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more hint and then I had to put it to bed because I can't let it go. I've got one more question though. Okay. Has this person won a world championship? More world championships than you could ever dream. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Hey, let's let's dive into the show. Hold on one second. I got to say one more thing because once this podcast is released, we're going to have another slow twitch thread about us accusing someone of something that we never accused him of. So hey, I didn't accuse anyone of anything. I didn't say anything. But so, to our listeners of the show... We're going to run through our essential top 10 GOAT status. And before people get upset and offended and everything, these are people that we just personally think that we believe deserve a recommendation or a recognition. 
Uh, lots of, I mean, I'm sure I will forget a name or two. I'm sure Jack and Kyle will forget a name or two, but these are just people as we run through and talk about some of the greatest athletes to ever do the sport of triathlon. Um, these are some people that came to our mind and we attempted to rank them, but I guess we'll see, uh, how good we did. What would, would you say? Would you say that's how it's going to go, Jack? Yeah, I think so. I think one of my favorite things about professional sport, um, is, is the hypothetical discussion of who the best to ever do it is. And it's funny, right? Isn't it? Because we, none of us ever know. It's like, it's an, it's an impossible thing to, to objectively measure, but that's, what's so fun about it. Like lists are fun. Top fives, top tens. I, I hear them or I see them for sports. I follow and I go, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in for this because I like the debate around it. I like when people have ridiculous opinions and look, I've got no doubt there's going to be some, some crazy ones that I'll disagree with here. And I can't wait to debate, debate that. Or, you know, I can't wait to agree with things as well. And, you know, we do that bro shake and go, my man, like that's, that's fact. I I love that about professional sport. Um, and, and I want to bring that kind of, that kind of fun into long course triathlon. Cause I think we have some, some great athletes that, that we can talk about. Um, we also have, I was talking about this on my podcast uh, last week. We always have, we also have a really transient community in triathlon people who come in and do one or two races or follow the sport for five years. And, and then they skedaddle out of there and, and don't follow it ever again. So what, what we often have is we have a really modern crowd, a modern following. So people who didn't watch the world championships in 2005 or 2010, you know, you think of your big sports, you sort of get born into supporting a team or follow one at school and then you follow them till you die. And you might not be diehard, but at any given time you can sort of name a player who plays for that team or what, how they're doing that year. Whereas in triathlon, I reckon we have a very small amount of like diehard lifelong fans. So it can be really fun to talk about who the greatest of all time is because a lot of people listening won't even really know who these people were. They definitely didn't watch them race. And, and so it can be both fun and sort of educational in a way as well from, from three people who are those select few triathlon nerdy lifelong fans. I love it. That's the truth. And one other reason why we, we, we wanted to do this is just like what Jack had just said, the disagreements will be the most interesting because I've seen plenty articles, most recent one from Triathlete Magazine that posted their top 10 greatest athletes of all time. And I just like, it rattles my head. I'm like, how did you guys pick these athletes or in this order? So I'm curious to see what people say about our order. So we should dive into it. Do you want to start us off, Kyle? I'll start us off. Do you want to go 10 to 1? Yeah. I think 10 to 1. But let's, uh, But do you have any honorable mentions? No. See, I, 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 I wrote down a few honorable mentions on mine. Are we not even going to do that? I have a strong stance on honorable mentions. They're soft. All right. Okay. Well, I have, I have one soft one, and I have a really good honorable mention. But I just think if you left them out, they don't deserve to be in your 10. Let's not talk about them. And that can be part of the fun. Like, oh, my God, you left that guy out. It's sort of like, um, it's, uh, yeah, just it's sort of trying to cover yourself, isn't it? And I don't want that. I want to take the piss out of you for forgetting an obvious one. <laughs> no, I want to say my one honorable mention. Soft. Just let me do one. Christian Blumenfeld. The only reason I want to do him as honorable mention is that he is, can easily make it to the very top of this list. Being that, With that being said, he has accomplished in the last 18 months what people don't even do in an entire career. So Olympic champion, IT world champion, Ironman world champion, 70.3 champion. I mean, I just wanted to mention him in here because he's not with the GOATs yet, but I think that 
it's only a matter of time until he is at the very top of this list. Interesting you say that because he is in my top 10. So, oh, all right. He's also Let's in go. my top 10. I think there's, I think there's something we need to stipulate here that this is the top 10 greatest long course triathletes of all time, not the top 10 best triathletes of all time. Because those lists are very different. And, for example, with Christian, it doesn't matter that he's won an Olympic gold. It doesn't count here. Alistair Brownlee, the greatest of all time, not on my list. Because he's not in the top 10 greatest long course triathletes of all time. All right. Let's dive in. in. It's also mixed male and female, right, Jack? So. Yep. Mixed male and female. That'll be even more controversial. We love that. Number 10, just because of the man that he is, I'm going to go with Chris McCormack because he changed the game of smack talking in triathlon and he made a business uh, post-triathlon, a business career post-triathlon. So that's why I put him at at 10 for me. Number nine, I have Paula newby Frazier because she won Kona eight times. Number eight, I have... Let's Gustav- just do, let's just do, let's just do 10 and nine and then we'll... All right, all right, all right, all right. Best. Yeah. Wait, you, you had 10 who? Chris McCormack, and who was nine? Paul newby Frazier. Nice. All right, Jack, you want to hit it? I had at number 10, Paula newby Fraser. I actually think she's lucky to be in the list for what it's worth. She's won more Ironman World Championships than any other long-course triathlete of all time at, at eight, which on paper sounds great, right? On paper, it's like, how is that person not number one or number two? The reason why is because she had no competition. Female long-course triathlon was really bad in that era. That's um, not a sexist thing to say, I hope you know, it's, which you'll soon find out on my list. It's just a reality of the sport at the time. The male sport wasn't that good either at that period, but it was a long way ahead. Paula, eight world championships. Mm, she's still lucky to be there, but because she has those eight world championships, she, she has to be at least 10 on the list. Number nine for me is uh, Luke Van Leerd. So, for people who don't know Luke Van Leerd, he was just an absolute beast in the, the mid-2000s, um, late 90s. He had a course record of 8.04, which was 20, 30 minutes ahead of every other time that, that was that was being done at that, that period. It, it went on to be the longest standing Ironman World Champs course record of all time at 15 years and multiple Ironman World Championship winner. No one... No one has changed the sport more than Luke Van Leerd, I don't think. Maybe maybe until the Norwegians to this day, but but he really took long course triathlon to, to a new level. Wow. I I love I love the Luke Van Leerd. Our lists are gonna be totally opposite because I have the opposite of almost what you guys have right away. But number ten, uh, I have Natasha Bodman. Uh, I mean, she never got worse than second place in Kona. She won it six times with two silvers and I just think it was extremely uh, impressive, but kind of like what Jack had mentioned too, this, the field wasn't too in depth, but Natasha continued to race like forever. So that was uh really cool. Uh, number nine on my list, I have Dave Scott kind of back what we alluded to earlier. The only reason why I have a lot of people probably argue why I have Dave Scott so low on my list, but a lot of people don't understand back then when they were filming the racing, uh, Dave Scott and Mark Allen were the only essentially two athletes that had 15 passenger vans with NBC cameras in front of their bikes. They'll probably 
a lot of people know the truth on this, but got massive draft effect. But they did claim in multiple times that they didn't get a draft, not them, but Iron Man claimed they didn't get a draft because they rolled down all the windows in the van. So the air rolled through, so they didn't get a draft. But the only reason why I have them so low on my list is I think that maybe other athletes could have won during that time, maybe not, but they did have a big assistance on the bike. There's my 10 and 9. So are you going 7 and 6 now, Kyle? 8, eight, oh, eight 7. Oh, 8 and 7, sorry. 8, 7. I have the Norwegian hype train. Number 8, I have Gustav Eden, two-time 70.3 champ and Kona champ. Uh, and then 7, I have Christian Blumenfeld, sub-7, 70.3 champ, Ironman champ. I actually love this, Kyle. I love this. I think it's controversial. Um, the Gustav one's particularly controversial. And it's funny, isn't it? Because Gustav is better than Christian at long course triathlon. And if you disagree with that, you don't understand what you're watching. Does he have better a better record than Christian? No, he probably doesn't. But head-to-head, those two preparing for a long course triathlon Gustav wins almost 10 times out of 10 the only reason he doesn't is sickness or injury or um, having overdone it or whatever but if if they replay that race race in Kona this year Gustav wins it 10 times Um, so I love Gustav being in there I think it's like one of those things isn't it Kyle where it's like they're almost they're almost there because of what they're going to achieve still as well and I know you can't do that because how can we talk in hypotheticals but Gustav and Christian are going to go down as number one, two, three on this list in in five or six years' time. Um, so I love I love chucking them in there um, for the fact that they're the best to ever do it, even if they don't have the best record to ever do it. And and we're going to see that soon enough. So yeah, I support that. Um, and then just to touch on on what something you said, Talbot, I don't have Dave Scott on my list. I think you have him too high. Um, I think he, I think Dave Scott's the single most overrated triathlete to ever live. Um. And with that being said, my number eight is Chris McCormack, uh, Australian legend. Um, maybe I'm biased, uh, but but I think I think Chris McCormack was one of those guys who modernised triathlon a little bit. A uh, reason I rate him so highly is because of what he did to to Craig Alexander at a time when no one else could do it. Craig Alexander w- was untouchable apart from Chris McCormack. Chris McCormack stopped Craig Alexander from winning another Ironman World Championship. He has a winning record against him. He's a two-time Ironman World Championship championship winner himself. He's an ITU long course world champion. Um, one of the most underrated triathletes of all time, um, despite how loved he is as a person. Uh, and then number seven is Peter Reid. Peter Reid sort of speaks for himself. Um, he was consistent. He was consistent. He, he won two times Ironman World Championships. He came second twice. He came third once. Uh, again, another really underrated career, but um, just super consistent when he when it counted in long course triathlon. And I think that matters. I, I, like I think other races do matter, but but really with long course triathlon, we look back at the big races you've won. And and Peter Reed for six seven years was was as consistent as as anyone in the world. I love that. I love that. And number eight, I have Peter Reed as well. Uh, Peter Reed was someone that I kind of grew up right when I got into triathlon. I remember getting a documentary. I believe it was Paul Newby Frazier and Peter Reed were both in. It's called What It Takes, I believe, if I can remember that correctly. But that kind of initially got me into believing or following the sport. Uh, number seven, I have Daniela Reef. Um, I think that she is... And I'm a little bit lost on this list. Not only that, because I thought that this was... Um, 
I didn't know this was just long course athletes. So mine are mixed in here a little bit more, not in depth like y'all's, but number seven on my list is Danielle Arif, just completely unstoppable in the women's field, uh, especially in the mo more modern era today. So number seven, Danielle Arif. Number six and five. Um, number six, I have Miranda Carfrey. In case you don't know, she ran down Daniela Reef 20 minutes down off the bike. Uh, she also won Kona three times and then was three times runner up. And then number five, I have someone that had never been beaten in Kona, four time Kona champion, Chrissy Wellington. <laughs> I double like female, it. double female. I like it. I, uh, I think you've overrated Miranda there because of uh, maybe a little bit of a personal connection. Uh, I've had one too many wines at their house that I can't disconnect myself from not putting her in the goat conversation. You've done well though. Like Lionel is clearly going to be Talbot's number one. So you've gone a little bit more realistic <laughs> than what Talbot's going, going to. Oh man. Yeah. All right, Jack, let's hear yours. My number six is um, it's my most controversial one without question. Uh, I've got, I've got Mark Allen at number six. Now, I understand that a lot of people might have Mark as, as number one, number two. Um, but just because you've won six Ironman World Championships and he won a whole heap of other races too and, and was very dominant, I want to go back to this point that competition matters. It, it matters to me. Triathlon was a baby sport when Mark Allen was doing it. It was baby. These guys, don't get me wrong, they, they were racing fast for the time and, and, and they trained hard and they were good athletes. But you bring Mark Allen into today's era, it's just not the same. He doesn't, he doesn't do what he did then. And, and I know you can't necessarily compare errors like that, but when the sport was so baby, I think you can. He wasn't dominating in an era where the sport had been around for 50 years and established. It was the baby era. And the sport was it – was, it, was, it wasn't a professional sport. I don't, think, I don't think it's fair that you could call it a professional sport. So he was good. He was even great, but he's not a top five triathlete of all time. Number five for me, Christian Blumenfeld. Again, I understand why you might not have him in the list because it's premature. The reason why I have Christian Blumenfeld in this list, his resume isn't as good as, as a Mark Allen or a Peter Reid or a Chris McCormack. Well, maybe it's as good as Chris McCormack's, but the reason Christian Blumenfeld is in there for me is because he is the best or second best or third best to ever do it, despite not having that resume. He will have that resume, make no question about that. But what he's done in the last last 12 months is, has been as good as anyone to ever do it. He, he has the Ironman uh, world best record, third at Kona, one St. George in, you know, apart from Eden and maybe Yarn 2019, probably the best Ironman performance of all time, 70.3 um, world champion a few weeks after winning Kona, uh, coming third at Kona. Christian deserves this spot, and, and that's only going to get more and more solidified over, over the next few years. Uh, number seven, uh, or sorry. Oh, and I have one question. I have one question real quick. In 1987, when Lance raced Mark Allen and Dave Scott, do you remember if Lance beat them at all? I believe he did. Is it, so he, he, beat, he, he beat both of them as a 15-year-old. I just want to make. I just want to clarify something real quick. I think, it was a, I think it was a short, I think it was like a sprint triathlon, though. Like these guys are doing Ironman. You got a little kid with some fast twitch muscles who's a could literally go pro in swimming he's so good at swimming 
I'm just saying, two people on your guys' goat list got beat by Lance Armstrong and a, a young buck. So. And that was probably Lance pre-drugs, too. Uh, my number six, I have Chrissy Wellington. Uh, you can't count her out. One of the best to ever do it. Uh, rocks up to the sport as an age grouper. Uh, 2006 wins uh, age group world championship and then heads over to Kona and is just completely annihilates it four times nearly in a row outside of the year that she had the panic attack or got sick or whatever in 2010. But unstoppable, undefeated, uh, just one of the best to ever do the sport. So that's my number six. My number five, uh, I put him a little bit higher than Kyle put him on, Chris McCormack, only because Chris was probably one of my first idols in the sport of triathlon. Uh, was probably good or bad, you could take that. Uh, but I loved the smack talk. I loved watching him and Crowey battle it out. I loved the mind games. I loved his listening to his audio book, Here to Win. Uh, just probably one of my first ever idols in the sport of triathlon and loved watching him race. Although his results don't really put him on this list, I think that he did a lot for the sport and continues to stay involved in the sport and attempt to do a lot. So I have Chris McCormack, number five. You, do you want to tell everyone you also had the iconic visor? You had the Under Armour oh, I, I, I had his kit. And I had everything. The, the Under Armour visor with the cliff bar on the side. I had, a, I had it all. Number four and three, Carl? All right. This is where it's going to start getting a little dicey for me. Number four, I have Crowey, three-time Kona champ, two-time 70.3 champ. Number three, I have Jan Ferdino, three-time Kona champ, two-time 70.3 champ. <sighs> the reason why Jan Ferdino is not the GOAT for me is if you look at the longevity of long course racing, you'll understand that my number two and one speak more highly of longevity in long course racing versus just flat out beating people, in my opinion. We are about to disagree so strongly about your top two. I know. It's, um... we're, we're all about to disagree with each other because you guys are going to die when you hear mine. <laughs> <laughs> not... I, we're just going to come back to this because, yeah, hold on, we're going to come back to this. My number, my number four is Chrissy Wellington. Um, the the same things that Talbot said. Chrissy was the biggest thing about Chrissy was that she was unbeatable. I think she won fourteen or fifteen big races straight. You know, um, Ironman branded Ironmans, World Championships, uh, Challenge Roth. She only raced the biggest races. She she completely obliterated the Ironman World Champs course record and went to Roth and. And, and beat the, the best ever Ironman time a couple of times in, in something that took a long time to get beaten. Um, she was dominant. She was dominant. Her four-time Ironman World Championship wins were, yeah, uh, close to as dominant as anyone's ever been. That's why she's number four. And my number three is, is Craig Alexander. And, and again, or Crowey as Kyle called him, again, I think like the point I keep coming back to is that this is a the greatest long course triathlete of all time list. If this is a, the top 10 greatest triathletes of all time list, Craig Alexander maybe doesn't even make my list. If he does, it's number 10 or number nine. You know, it, it, the fact that it's a long course list really pushes him up the list um, to, to number three. Like you said, three-time Ironman world champion, two-time Ironman 70.3 world champion. He, he also held the, the Kona course record and went very close to going sub eight hours in an era where, where people weren't really doing that or getting close because of technology. Um, I think what I really, what I really think holds Crowey this high on, on this list is, is just how good he was for his era. The same way I, I look at a Jan Fredino or a Daniela Reef or a Mark Allen. 
Craig was the best of his era. He was he was the guy in, in, in his era. If he was fit and, 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 and showed up to that race, he was going to win it. You know, no one could really stop him over the Ironman distance at that time. That's why Chris McCormack also um, pushed up the, the mile list a little bit higher than maybe what he should at number eight because he was the only guy to stop Crowe in his tracks there. Um, so Craig Alexander, number three for me. It's so interesting you say that because, like I said, again, I made my list on thinking we're talking about goats. So I have been kind of shuffling people around during this. I still wish I would have squeezed Paul Newby Frazier in up higher on my list just out of respect. Um, but I'm going to go uh, number four, Mark Allen. Even though the competition wasn't as high, I don't believe he's the greatest ever to the sport. He had phenomenal run times. Um, given granite, probably assistance on the bike. I know we can argue this to the death, but uh, still one of the best to ever do it. Um, number three, I actually have uh, – I've edited this since we started the second, you guys, and it's so funny you, what you said, Jack. I didn't even have Crowey on this list because I thought this was all-time, and I, I would never put Crowey up on my all-time list. But when you're talking about long-course athletes, Craig Alexander was one of the best tactitional – he crossed every T, dotted every I. He calculated from someone like Chris Lieto's insane bike attack. I mean, he knew exactly what to do to win on the big day. So I have Crowey as number three. I think we should do – everyone should go through their number twos, and then we should all go through our number ones. So we I don't like do it. two, one. You like that idea? I can't all wait right. to just completely disagree with what you're about to say, Carl. <laughs> number two, Daniela Reef. The only reason why I don't have her at number one is the last two times she's been in Kona. She's got 13th place and eighth place. If she would have won Kona this year, I mean, it would, it would have been a tough decision for me to make. For those that don't know, she has five Kona wins, five Ironman world championship wins, four in Kona, one at St. George, and then five 70.3 wins. My number two is, is Jan Fredino. You're a criminal. If you don't have Jan Fredino one or two, you're a straight criminal and you should be locked up. Now, <laughs> I was as resistant as anyone to the fact that Jan Frodeno is the greatest triathlete of all time. For, for, for my entire life watching this sport, I've never seen someone better than Alistair Brownlee. I would argue with people all the time that Alistair was better than Jan. But everyone just, you know, Jan is a, he's a bigger, more likable presence on social media and at races and people love Jan and, and, and they would always argue with me. Even I had to concede that at this point, Jan is he's better than he's better than Alistair. He's the greatest male triathlete to ever live, and and he's number two on my list. He's a three-time Ironman world champion, like you said, two-time seventy-point-three world champion. But the biggest thing with Jan is he just doesn't lose. He he does not lose if he shows up to a race fit and healthy. He doesn't lose. Like since Kona in twenty seventeen up until Challenge Roth, Roth this year. Um, he, he won 15 Ironman events straight. Think about that. That doesn't happen in this era of male triathlon. And, and before that, that 2017 edition of Kona where he walked the marathon and, and then went on to that 15, 15 uh, Ironman win streak, he'd won 10 out of 11 races before that. He came second in a ridiculous race that he, I don't even know how he lost it. But think about that. That doesn't happen in, in male long course triathlon anymore. And, He's the he's the greatest male to ever do it. I, I I couldn't agree more with you. Jan is the one of the goats. Uh, I have number two, Jan Ferdino as well. 
Um, you guys are going to die when you hear my number one, but I don't really care. I've Jan, I mean, I don't even have to add on to what Jack said. He is the greatest. I would have – you can't even put Alistair on this list. Unfortunately, Al, Alistair has – I mean, doesn't have a 70.3 title. I don't know if he's ever podiumed at a uh, Ironman World Champ. No, he never has podiumed at a long-distance World Championship. But Jan has just proven time and time again, even when you count him out, he's like, are you kidding me? Um, and finally, I even stuck up for him the other day. Pro Triathlon Organization, PTO, posted a post of they're passing over the reins to, like, the Norwegians and all the younger generation. I'm like, Jan, Jan's looking at this post laughing. He's like, ah, just wait. I'll be back next I'll be back next October on the Big Island. Tell the kids to sit tight. So, one of the greatest to ever do it. Yep, I have you on number two. All right. I I understand wow. if you take your headphones off and stop listening to this podcast for what I'm about to say. It's probably going to be blasphemy for a lot of people. But I have a list. I have a case for this person that I have as my number one greatest long course athlete of all time. Can, can I just quickly interrupt before you do this, Kyle? When you have to give a spiel like that before you're about to do your number one, even you know that this person shouldn't be number one. I, I think that there's a reason why he is number one for me. Uh, there's also sentimental value. It was the first race I ever watched him race. Uh, was the first triathlon I ever went to. So I know who it is. No, nah, you you don't because you think you do, but you don't. No, I number did. one, number one, Sebastian Keenley. Yeah. Um, the case for Sebastian Keenley, let me just run through this list real quick. 2012, 2013, 70.3 champ, 2014, Kona champ, 2015, 70.3 runner up, 2016, 70.3 and Kona runner up, 2017, fourth in Kona, 2018, one Roth by seven minutes, 2019, third in Kona, 2022, sixth in Kona. That right there should give you a little bit of clarity as far as over 10 years since he won his 70.3 champ, he's still been relevant in the sport. I, um, <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I love Sebastian Kimi. I don't know how to tell you how disappointed I am in you, Kyle, for having him as your number one on this list. <laughs> I, like, if, if the list is your top 10 favorite long course triathletes of all time, he's in my top three as well, but he's not in my top 15 greatest long course triathletes of all time as much as i Tim, love him. Tim O'Donnell Tim O'Donnell's number 1 favorite triathlete of all time but if we're talking about actual goats you you do realize that Daniela has won Kona more times than Sebastian Keenley has podiumed Kona I understand that I also understand that Daniela's won 40 I think she's won like 42 races Do you know how many times head to head Sebastian well, Keenley's beaten Jan Frodeno at a 70.3 or an Ironman. I'm sure you know that information. Are you going <laughs> to tell us? Once? I'm guessing once or twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is a... Is it... Do you know what it is? Is it one, once or twice? He's never beaten him when Jan hasn't walked. Let's just say that. So... Oh, uh, yeah, but but 17 is one, and then is, is there another one? No. Mm. So... It's just a ridiculous, a ridiculous number one. Um, but that's why we do these lists so that we can take the piss out of lists like that. Um, my number one is obvious. If if you don't have this person as your number one, you're a sexist. Stand up, walk out your front door, 
don't come back in your house. You don't deserve to live there. Daniela Reef oh. is the greatest long course triathlete to ever live by a factor of 10. 10-time world champion, the most dominant long course triathlete of all time. No one has ever dominated their crop of athletes, their era of athletes more than Daniela Reef. She won Ironman world titles that made it look like her highly professional competitive competitive field wasn't even on the same race course like did 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 those girls answer the phone did they know that they that they were supposed to start at, at 6am like i didn't see them out on course i saw daniela reef with a, a 12 minute lead and and i didn't see anyone else like she she made it look like she was racing age groupers that's how dominant she was her her race at st george this year might have been her best ironman world title of all time and and she beat uh, one of the strongest women's Ironman fields of all time. You know, no one has ever dominated the sport of triathlon more than more than Daniela Reef. And yeah, like I've said, <laughs> female triathlon—it's not as strong as male triathlon. But if you don't have her at number one, you are a sexist. <laughs> okay, before we move on, I do just need to correct ourselves. Sebi has beaten Jan in two head-to-head races. First, starting in both of them were twenty and fourteen. He beat him in uh, Ironman Frankfurt. Uh, Jan got third, but, and but uh, Jan had, got first. Yeah, so I didn't count that because Jan had three punctures that day. No, it, oh. no, that was that was, that was Kona. That no, was Kona. He had two. He had two punctures in Kona. Oh, three in Frankfurt. All right, all right. Well, there you go. Okay, before we move on, like I said again, mine was triathlon goats, but I still could argue this person being one of the long course ones as well. Um, all the way from New Zealand, I just put Aaron Baker up there. Uh, raced 104 times. Uh, sorry, raced 120 races, won 104 of those. Uh, beat Paul Newby Frazier when Paul Newby Frazier was running hot in Kona as well with two Kona wins. Uh, I mean, I don't, I can I think she has like, I could be wrong, like maybe nine world titles. Uh, but not only that, my favorite thing about Aaron Baker is that back in the era when she was racing, I know we talk about competition, but she changed the sport for females when there was higher prize purses for males or there was male only races, Aaron Baker boycotted those races and did not go to them. So I feel like Aaron Baker set the standard for equality in the sport. And I'm not like the big, I don't know, woke person, but I just think Aaron Baker was one of the most winning triathletes of all time, came in completely annihilated the sport of triathlon and then just graciously stepped to the side. But hers was a bit, a little bit of short course as well. So probably argue her in the top but i think aaron baker stands out as one of the greatest long course athletes of all time probably my only i, I love aaron baker as well I, I completely disagree she doesn't deserve to be in the top 15 for what it's worth but i like that it's left a field and it's still better than sebastian Kimo. um she she just got <laughs> she, she got beaten by paula newby fraser too many times talbot so of that era yeah she did i did paula did. was the best paula Paula beat her more than she beat her at, at the Ironman World Championships, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think I think Paula won like three, won three times. times when Aaron came second. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah testing memory. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like Aaron Baker. Yeah, terrible, terrible number one. Um, 
but that's better than being a terrible, terrible, terrible number one, Mike Kyle. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay, I have a question for you, Jack, because we, we've been exchanging some some top five, top ten goats lists that have been floating around, even all the way from like fighters, best UFC or boxers and stuff like that. Do you think people are just going to tear our top ten to shreds? Probably not yours because yours wasn't really that controversial. It's like, okay, it's easy to say that Danielle is the greatest athlete of all time. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you did with your list, right, was you said, Let, let's Americanize this. You said, well, yeah, I know Michael Jordan's pretty good, but have you heard of Kevin Durant? He's the GOAT. You know what I mean? Like, it's so ridiculous wow. that it's not even worth – like, people people who you say, like, who would, like, write a comment and say, like, oh, Kyle, what the fuck, Sebastian Kinney, number one. Like, great guy one of my favorites of all time in triathlon, but it's so far from being reality that you just, you just sort of read that and you go, huh, and then you don't even think about it again. Do you know what I mean? I'm with you. I'm you with could you. say, you could give him an honorable mention and say he's one of the most consistent athletes of all time. I don't know about Goat though. He's great. He's you, might need to, you might need to issue an apology to Jan actually on Instagram for that one. Uh... I, I still put Daniela ahead of Jan. And so did so did you, Jack. Yep. I, I agree. I think Daniela oh, yeah. is without question the best of all time. I just don't think I don't think there's a question. I, I think you I'm so steadfast that it's it's Daniela and it's Jan and it's just what order you have them. And I don't see an argument for anyone else being in that top two. I I, I, I can understand that. Until this list could change in five years. Hundred. This list does change in five years, Kyle. Hundred percent. Like we talked about with Christian and Gustav, they're coming and they're coming for Yarn. And Yarn got lucky this year. Yarn was not beating Gustav this year. I like. I, I hear you. What you're saying before, Talbot. Like, hey, don't forget. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on on everyone on on Yarn the same way everyone slept on Daniela Reef going into St George this year. Yeah, everyone wrote her off. The sport doesn't change that quickly. However, Gustav Eden just put in the best Ironman performance that the world has ever seen on the history of planet Earth. And Jan Frodeno is lucky that he didn't race because he has the chance to come back next year when Gustav and Christian are, are focusing more on the short course and win it for a fourth time and cement his place as number two or number one on this list. If he had a rocked up this year, I don't think he even gets on the podium. I don't know. I don't know. I got. I I I bet against the goat too many times to bet against him again. I'm just proud that Talbot didn't have. Uh, oh, but I, I'm literally Lionel on this list. The problem is, is like I could sit here and make. Oh well, Lionel's won the most seventy point threes in history. You know who's <laughs> behind? You know who's behind him? One behind him. It's Andy Potts. Like I love Andy Potts, but like. He doesn't sniff this list, and neither does Lionel. Lionel has gotten two second places in Kona, or sorry, Ironman World Championship, but it's still, it doesn't make this list. These are the greats. Yeah, Lionel, Lionel himself would would never even put himself on this list. Two at three athletes I removed off this list once I heard it was long course was I did remove Javier Gomez, I removed Alistair Brownlee, and I removed Gwen Jorgensen because I had all them in my top greatest athletes of all time. Talbot. Like they were all pretty. 
you know how mm-hmm. I said you know how I said before that with these lists you can either go like oh that list sucks like Kyle's list that that really sucks or you can you can look at someone who has a similar opinion to you and you give him the bro shake and you bring him and you say my man you fucking get it and I was just about to do that with you when you said I got rid of Gomez and I got rid of Brownlee because the top five best triathletes of all time they're both in the top five it goes it goes Christian Blumenfeld Javier Gomez. Um, probably Daniela Reef or Jan Fredino, either way. Let's say Jan Fredino, Daniela yeah. Reef, Alistair Brownlee. It's those five, right? I was about to bring you in. You lost me when you brought Gwen Jorgensen into the conversation. Gwen's great. <sighs> Gwen had Gwen had her era, mate. She was she was very, very good. And she is inside the top five best female triathletes of all time. However, but she was like she was like Chrissy. She was like Chrissy of uh short course though. For a little bit, she had a she had a little she had a three year period where she was the best female triathlete on the planet. But there was years before that where she was very very easy to beat, and there was years after that where she yeah. she moved away from the sport and she cost herself a chance to to go higher up on that list, Talbot for sure. Her her period yeah. of of dominating was too short. Now it included an Olympic cycle that was fucking insane and. She was never, ever losing at Rio. She was never losing. Mm-mm. She was the best female triathlete on the planet right then. However, Daniela Reef is better. Chrissy Wellington's better. Nicholas Spirig's better. Emma Snosel's better. Gwen Jorgensen's number five. Yeah, well, if you add all their long course stuff, yes. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Alistair, but it, it, it pains me to take Alistair and Javier off the list, but it, when it's long course, it's very easy because those guys – Alistair has not done anything in long course. Two podiums at 70.3 Worlds, and that's it. I've never been more disappointed in a person, and I know that sounds harsh, <laughs> than, I have, harsh. than I have of Alistair Brownlee at long course. And Jack's, you know what? Jack's not just mad. He's just disappointed. That's exactly right. It's because I love Alistair Brownlee. Alistair Brownlee doesn't have a bigger fan than me. He was, He is my favorite triathlete of all time, and – it's because that was the era where I was growing up and, and watching and, and trying to be an athlete and understood the sport as, you know, it was the first, it, his era was the era where I really got the sport. I wasn't too young that I sort of was watching it and not fully getting it. No one has ever dominated triathlon like Alistair Brownlee. What he did over a five-year period was insane. He is the guy who's changed triathlon more than anyone to ever live. Without question, if you argue that, you're a dingleberry. He was dominant like no one we've ever seen, maybe with Daniela Reef being the exception. I just I just hate I hate his long course transition because it makes the new fans of the sport who weren't around in his dominant era think that he's an easy beat, think that he's not as good as he was. Alistair Brownlee's the scariest athlete to ever do triathlon. There's never been an athlete where their fellow competitors have stood on a start line and been more scared or more certain that they can't beat someone than Alistair Brownlee, 2009, 10, 11, 12. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could agree with you. And it, uh, there's what's – I can't think of the other podcasts off the top of my head. They are uh, – I think Macca's podcast or something like that. MX Endurance? MX Endurance. They actually have a pretty good podcast, but the other day I listened – and they, it was like the pre-Kona show. And they were like, oh, if Alistair would have just started St. George, he would have blown everyone out of the water. He's one of the best in the world at Iron And I'm just like, guys, I'm all with you. 
Like, I would do anything to watch Alistair. Do you, I mean, do you remember the days back in the ITU packs when he's screaming at the packs? He's screaming at his brother and all that. And I'm like, that was my boy, Kitzbühel, when he rode straight up the mountain and won it. But I'm like, how do you say that if he would have just started, he would have annihilated Christian Blumenfeld in St. George? I'm like. That's one of the greatest uh, performances. That's one of the greatest triathlons I've ever watched, especially short course. So what? do yourself a favor. Watch that Kitzbühel race. Hey, have you I guys seen my YouTube video on it? Uh-uh. I think I actually watched it. I think I actually watched that. Go to YouTube, Talbot, and search how they train. I had a, I have a YouTube channel that I made four videos on in four weeks, and that was five months ago, and then I never posted again. But I've got to get back to it. And one of them is is it's a nine-minute video about Alistair's race up, up uh, at Kitzbühel which okay. I believe is one of the most um, entertaining, unknown triathlons that, that ever happened. Oh, my gosh. I wish they still did that. I wish they still did that. But They still do it, but they don't make it a WTCS race because it's in the mountains. I and guess. then the other athlete that I wish would have done really good, I mean, you could say a million of them, but Javier Gomez. I mean, the guy's won so many short course world championships, but he just never won the Olympic medal, but he's won. Xterra World Championship, 70.3 World Championship. I mean, if he could have just pulled off the two two races. Yeah. There's there's never been an there's never been an athlete closer to being the best to ever do it than Javier Gomez. But he came he he's he's just so unlucky. He came into an era where he faced the greatest short course triathlete of all time. Yeah. And then when he moved across to Ironman, he came up against the greatest long course triathlete of all time. Like it's just yeah. unlucky for him. You know, he would have beaten Mark Scott and Dave Allen. He would have been a ten time world champion back then. You know, mm-hmm. just an unlucky guy. Hey, yep. hey, Kyle. I also I also brought a bit of a surprise list to the table. Um, I went rogue. I, um, I I went selfish. I I didn't want to have to listen to to another heartbreaking number one. Um, so I've gone ahead and made a top ten greatest long course triathletes of 2022 list. Just a bit of a bonus. Um, and thought, hey, maybe you guys might want to sit back and listen, and then you can disagree with me and argue with me once I've done it. And yeah, I just. Rather than talking about a lot of these athletes that, that people don't know, everyone who listens to this has probably followed the sport this year. So I thought I'll, um, yeah. I'll but bring, I'd love to hear list. it. I'd love to hear it. Hear, humor us. Humor us so I can debate your number one. I'm already, I'm just going to, I want to give a hint. Um, and I'm going to give a more, a more uh, sort of an easier to guess hint than Lionel, uh, than, than Talbot. Sorry, not Lionel. Lionel, <laughs> Lionel shouldn't be on your top 10 on this list this year, in my opinion. This no. was his worst year since 2014 as a pro triathlete. So he shouldn't even be on your top 10 list. Well, let's in see. My opinion. Let's see if he makes it. What I was going to say, Talbot, um, before I accidentally called you Lionel, that's why Lionel got brought up. <laughs> You're sort of the same person to me. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is, uh, your hints about who was doping, even though I actually know who that was based on those hints. They were vague. I'm going to give a more specific hint about who my number one is. Okay. Their initials, the best long course triathlete of 2022, their initials are SK. I'll just put that little teaser there and we'll come back to it. It's just a joke, Toa. That's Sebastian Kinley. He's not in the top 10. Of course, oh, he's not in the fucking top 10. I was 10. like, who is that? I couldn't even think. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, it's so ridiculous uh, that he would be there. It's so I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Okay, let's hear the list. Let's hear it. I'm dying. Okay, okay. We'll come back to Bash and Kyle after I'm finished. Um, number 10, Lucy Charles Barclay. Now, a full year, a full year of racing, and there's no doubt that Lucy moves up into this list into the top three or four. 
she literally only raced four times this year. And they were late in the season where the big races were there and it was coming back from injury and her, she won a, world, a, a WT long distance world championship. She went on to come third at the PTO US Open. She came second at Kona uh, and fourth at the 70.3 world championships. It was it was a hell of a run for this list. Um, yeah, I just wish she had had a full year because she definitely would have been much, much higher. But Lucy Charles Barclay is number 10. Number nine is, is Arne Haug. Two-time Ironman World Championships uh, bronze medalist in, in the one year. She came third at St. George and then third again at Kona. Um, and, and in the middle of that, she won the, the next biggest long course triathlete, triathlon in the world at, at Challenge Roth and did it really, really impressively. The most underrated performance of the year, by the way, Anne Hug's Challenge Roth uh, win. Um, the thing with Anne that stopped her from getting higher than number nine is she didn't have the highs that, that you probably needed to get higher on this list. Um, but there, there's a reason she's the number one ranked female long course triathlete this year by the PTO, and it's because her consistency was, was exceptional. Number eight, Sam Laidlow. This is the breakout year for Sam, wasn't it? Like his second place at Kona is, is definitely what finds him at number eight on this list. Um, you know, although being in that league group of, of five for six hours at the St. George um, Ironman World Championships earlier in the year and finishing um, eighth in, in the end there and then coming fourth place at, at the two biggest PTO races at the, the US Open and the Canadian Open, a nice cherries on top. Make no mistake, Sam laid those at number eight on this list because of his, his second place finish at Kona. That, 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 that race was incredible. No one expected someone to to give Gustav Eden and Christian Blumenfeld a battle like that like if we if we I I just I wish we could retroactively go back and and ask Christian and Gustav and Olav their coach oh wait that's right I did in my podcast with Olav this week did they think Sam Laidlow Mm -hmm. was going to do that they talked about him by the race before the race and they said Sam Laidlow doesn't matter he can have 10 minutes off the bike we'll catch him by halfway through the run Look at what he did. He nearly beat the Norwegians this year. No one was supposed to do that. He took the race to them. He broke the Kona bike course record by five minutes and still ran 242 off it. Fucking insane. Number eight, Sam Laidlow. What a man. Number seven, Ashley Gentle. She finds herself on this list because of three races. Nothing else aside from that. Three races. Winning the PTO US Open and the Canadian Open um, and and then having the second fastest time at the Collins Cup. You could probably make a case that Ash deserves to be higher on this list because her wins um, at, at the PTO US Open and the Canadian Open were against really strong fields. Fields that included the other females that are on this list. But just I don't put as much weight on those races as, as a couple of the other races that matter in long course triathlon and and I would have loved to have seen her back that up, put her, I think she went and got married or something like that. I would have rather to see, see her put that aside and, and go and put her, her name in the hat at the 70.3 World Championships because if she wins that, she's number two on this list. But she didn't do that, so Ashley Gentle, number seven on this list. You didn't talk about Noosa. Let's not no, is that not impressive? No. Not it's not a long course race. All right, all right. Yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, keep going. Number six. Magnus Ditliv. This, like Mark Allen of my goat list, this is the most controversial one of this list because Magnus Ditliv did not have the big results that every other athlete on this list had. He, he has, of this 10, the lowest highs. But 
what Magnus did have was he cemented himself as the third best long course triathlete on the planet. That's my opinion. It's also what he's ranked on the PTO the PTO rankings. And it, it's just so hard, right? Because men's long course rating men's long course racing is just brutal at the moment. Like there's never been a more brutal year than 2022 and it was dominated by two people. So oh, you, of course you're not going to have another guy who wins an Ironman World Championships or a 70.3 World Championships or the big PTO races, really, because there's two guys that are doing that. But Magnus was the next best. Um, you know, he won Roth, which was big. He would have beaten Jan that day, by the way. Make no mistake about that. Even if Jan finished the race, which he, he ultimately didn't, Magnus was going to beat him. And I wish he did because it would have made Magnus's win look better. Um, he then came second at Texas, another race he, he should have won, um, but Mechanical got in his way there. And um, second at the, the US Open as well. Um, third at the 70.3 World Championships to top it off. Eighth at Kona. And I think we can all agree that he would have um, finished fourth or fifth there at, at minimum without that penalty. And if he didn't fuck around and drop his drop his nutrition at, at the halfway mark and lose a minute and a half there. I think we can all probably agree Magnus was in that battle for, for the top three. He was running with the Norwegians for, for a bit at least. So that result doesn't look as good on paper as what it actually probably was. So Magnus did live number six for me. Top five, Taylor Nib is, not, is number five. She's the fifth best long course triathlete uh, on planet Earth this year. I guess the thing with, with Taylor, right, is that, uh, an injury and, and a short course riddled year definitely kept her from, from being able to be any higher on this list than this. But you can't win a 70.3 world championships like that in a deep field and not be at least number five in, in, in the 2022 best long course triathletes of, all time, of, of the year. You can't. Ha- have we ever seen like a better female 70.3 performance than what Taylor did at St. George? Lucy last year. I, I, I that that's the only one that's that's even in the conversation. I think this was better. Mm-hmm. I, I think this yeah, was better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with the deeper field. Deeper field. She she. I've I've never seen a, a female do that in a seventy point three before. And fuck, like, yeah, I like. She won Oceanside, and and that was against a, a really strong field as well early, early in the year. And then she came second at the PTO US Open, but hadn't done any running in the lead up. Um, but yeah, make no mistake, Taylor Nib is number five because of what she did at that one race at the 70.3 World Championships. Number four, my second most controversial one. People might disagree that it's controversial. I, I think it's controversial. Um, Daniela Reef. She won the, the St. George Ironman World Champs. She won Ironman Switzerland. She had the overall fastest time at the Collins Cup. Um, she raced really aggressively at Kona, but... That, that Kona result, as harsh as it might be, is what drops her down to number four on this list. The St. George win, like I said in our, in our GOAT discussion, was arguably, arguably great, Daniela Reef's greatest ever performance. Um, and she's won 10 world champs. So like that's saying something. Everyone wrote her off, no doubt, going in St. George. And, and she dominated that, that Ironman World Championships in a way that not many athletes have ever been able to do. And, and because of that, as long as, as well as a, a couple of other really good performances, Daniela Reef is the number four best long course triathlete in 2022. The top three, I think these are obvious. Um, it's just what order you have them in. Uh, but again, I think it's, it's obvious the order as well. Number three is Chelsea Sodaro. Um, the, the, the least consistent of every single athlete on, on my top 10 um, this year, but 
sometimes it doesn't have to be about consistency. And I think that's that's maybe where where Chelsea separated herself because her eight-minute win at Kona was the best performance by a female in triathlon this year. Um, Taylor Nibs 70.3 was a, a second, but it was it was still a little bit of a distant second. Everyone struggled at Kona this year in the female race. Everyone blew up. Everyone ran slow. Everyone was moving backwards. If that race went for another 10K, Chelsea wins it by 18 minutes, not eight, not eight minutes. It was, it was a dominant display. It, I, I make these like grandiose statements a lot, but I think Chelsea's Ironman World Championship victory is the best Ironman performance by a female of all time. Daniela Reef has one that's very, very close, but it was on a much faster day. I don't think anyone's ever done that to that level of field. So Chelsea, Chelsea Sodaro, number three for me. Are you talking? Well, they, are you they, talking about Daniela's 2018 performance? That's right. They they sure have Chelsea far down on the results list for the PTO rankings. But yeah, it's because of our lack of consistency, right? You need a bit more consistency. No, no, to no, 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 no. For for all, for all time scores, high scores. Yes, but that's because of yeah. Again, it's a misunderstanding of of what's being what's happening. I reckon, but you're right. I think what you have to take into account was that was the deepest, the strongest Ironman female field that has ever been assembled. No one was missing. Daniela Reef, the greatest of all time. And you can say she's passed her prime, but she won the Ironman World Championships and is number four on my list of 2022. Was she as motivated? Who knows? They're intrinsic things that don't matter for these kind of discussions. She is good enough to have dominated an Ironman World Championships earlier in the year, six months earlier. She was there. Laura Phillip was there. Lucy Charles Barclay was there. Arne Haag was there. These are four of the greatest of all time. The only person that wasn't there was Kat Matthews. She would have been up there, but you know, in terms of how good she is compared to these girls career-wise. She's not as good. She definitely would have been competitive this year, though. It was still, without question, the, the strongest Ironman female field of all time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, number three. Now, the top two, this is like everyone knows who they are. It's just it's just the order, isn't it? And I've gone, um, I've gone Gustav Eden at number two. Now, Gustav Eden had the best long course triathlon performance of the year and, and in my opinion, of all time with his win at Kona – um, and, and just in about any other year, that's enough to see him finish the year as the best long course triathlete in the world um, and be number one on this list. Like he also won the, the PTO Canadian Open and he won challenge championships early in the year and he beat Christian more than more than Christian beat him. But it, it's one of those, um, those things where it, it, all he needed to do was start that St. George race and we, we have a bit more clarity about who should be number one and who should be number two on this list. But again, we can't talk in hypotheticals. Gustav got sick. He didn't race. He would have won. Mm-hmm. I've got no doubt in my mind. If you want to believe that, I'm with you. But he didn't. And Christian went on to dominate. Um, so despite having the greatest single Ironman performance of all time and having the best performances of this year, I have to have him number two. And the reason why is because Christian Blumenfeld was the the number one. He, he was the best long course triathlete of 2022. And, and how can you deny it, right? He, he, you can't. He, he didn't reach those absolute highs of Gustav. Um, he definitely didn't. He got close, but he, he, the thing with Christian is he showed up more and he was more consistent. Um, now, he won St. George Ironman World Championships, so him and Gustav both have a, an Ironman World Championships win, but he then came third. So 
you know, Christian has a, an Ironman World Champs win and and a podium and a, and a bronze medal, whereas Gustav just has the win. Gustav Gustav's win was better, and it was against a slightly better field, but still, the the one win and, and the one third trumps the win in my opinion. Um, and then that's not even taking into account that Christian went on to win the seventy point three World Championships. So in in the one year he won the Ironman World Championships, the Ironman seventy point three World Championships, and came third in an Ironman World Championships. You know, Gustav just won an Ironman World Championships, didn't start the other one and and didn't finish the other one. Now, despite the fact Gustav was beating Christian when they were both at start lines fit and healthy, I think the fact that that those other things happened um, mean that that Christian is number one. And the reality of, of this list is number one and number two on this list might be the best triathletes we've ever seen. Um, and, and they were a long, long, long way ahead of number three through to number 10 on this list. And I'm happy for you to have Gustav at number one and Christian at number two. What I'm not happy with is if you don't have them at number one and number two, whatever order I can tolerate it. I, I can see the argument for Gustav, the argument for Christian. I've gone Christian number one, Gustav number two. That's my top 10 of greatest long course triathletes of 2022. I love it. I love it. I don't have any arguments against that. Like I said earlier, right at the start, Lionel shouldn't even be in your top 10. This is the worst year. It hurts you to Terrible say that, doesn't year. it? Uh, it hurts me, but it's the truth. I mean, this was his worst year since 2014 as a professional athlete. His worst. It goes to show you, though, the Norwegian method doesn't work for everyone. Can I ask you some questions on this, Talbot? I'll, I'll do my best to answer. Okay. <laughs> Again, takes me back to your intro where – you you talk a big game about being controversial, but I still think you boys are holding back a little bit. Maybe maybe let the barrier down, embrace and embody that intro, and let's no. let's just dive in, Talbot. Let's dive in. Let's I give said, the people what they want. I said though, I said on our last podcast. I mean, I, I we released like yesterday or something. I think the Norwegian method is a bunch of bullcrap. Like it's not even like it's not even a Norwegian method. Like if the Norwegian method worked then they would have a bunch of good athletes. The Norwegian team is terrible. Their females are not good. Casper maybe like has a performance every once in a blue moon. It's just the fact David Tilbury Davis hit it perfectly. He said, what you are seeing of Christian and Gustav is not there all the new science and data and training. Yeah, you could add in some of that. It's the fact that these kids were have literally, from the time they were born, they have been groomed to be these incredible, Incredible, and you are now seeing the fruits of their labor from, I mean, when they're eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, and now they're able to do all this high volume stuff. Is a marathon the week before Kona necessary? Probably not. I mean, it probably even impacted their race, but it doesn't even matter because those kids are so far advanced than everyone else from what they've done since they were little. I don't know how much of it is the Norwegian method. You know I like what I mean? It. I like you having a strong stance on it, whether it's true or not. I like that you're going a little bit against the grain and 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 speaking freely on that. We need more of that in, in triathlon because we do have a habit in this sport to glorify everything. I'm a victim of it myself. I say mm-hmm. the Norwegian method's the best of all time. We all have to change everything we're doing. Everyone needs to stop and watch what they're doing. And we do get caught up in that until someone comes along and beats them. And then they're the greatest of all time and they're doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a cycle like that, right? So I like that you're taking a step back and going like, well, is that really true or are these just two of the greatest athletes of all time? And 
it was inevitable. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I like that you're thinking like that. So so on that, Lionel and, and Mikel. Mm-hmm. Lionel, oh, God, he had a bad, bad end of the year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, Bad end of the year. He had a bad year. Well, he came second at the Ironman World Championships earlier in the year. Ah, the, the, the field was weak. It was... Lionel will even tell you that. The field was – no one was in Kona shape in St. George. It was another Ironman. You're right. You're right. But let's not let's not let the reality of that get in get in the way of, of complimenting yeah, Lionel. Yeah. Is um yeah. so I don't know, I'm gonna assume I don't know anything about any of this and just ask you some questions. Is Lionel gonna continue getting coached by Mikhail Eden? To to my knowledge, yes. I think they're they plan to just change something that something that uh Something that is is I think when you when you when you coach you learn uh, and when you work with athletes and you adapt and something that I think that we all have seen and from your podcast everything is these is these athletes get older they need to train smarter not harder with Christian and Gustav I mean they can train harder because they're young and they recover faster someone like Sam Labo and all that like I bet Jan and Sebi, I mean, even Sebi even told Lionel, like he told them this back in 2016, 17, when he's like, dude, quit doing an Ironman every day in your training and you might like win this race one day. And then Lionel is like, well, that's what I need to change. So then Lionel starts doing that. Lionel hadn't had a good time, but I think that Lionel's going to really dial back, but then Lionel's kind of a realist too. He knows that he looks at like nothing against Cam Worf, Sam Long, any of them, but Lionel's like, if I can't swim with their group, I might as well not even start the race. The, the, the winner from the race will never come in the back to swim back anymore. The, the, the sports evolved too much. So Lionel knows that it doesn't even matter what happens. The only thing he can do is until he can come out of the water in the Magnus Ditlev group. We use his name a lot, or Lionel uses his name a lot, because it's, that's the back of the pack that you can make it to more than likely win the race now. Uh, Matt Hansen's group, maybe you could say too. But to answer your question, yeah, I think they, they, they do still plan to work together, but I think it's adapting and changing to doing training smarter and then more for uh, to recover a bit more. I think Lionel has been exhausted all year long. I mean, just exhausted all year long. So, I mean, and you saw it in his results. I mean, it was his worst year since 2014. Lionel needs to come out to Noosa. He should already be here. He needs to come out to Australia for four months and he needs to swim with John Rogers' swim squad in a 50-metre pool with the best swim coach on the planet Earth, Jan Fredino's swim coach, Braden Curry's swim coach, Pete Jacobs' swim coach. Have you met JR? Mate, I'm a, I've trained under JR. Oh, my gosh. I love that guy so much. The greatest person oh to ever live. The greatest person I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't Lionel agree with coming you more. and spending four months in Noosa in Australia, rent a house for four months. You can ride and run with people. There's heaps of people. There's so many nice places to ride and run. It's hot. The weather's great. The beach is awesome. Him and his missus and their new kid would have the time hey, of their life out here. And if he went you. and swam five or six times every single week for four months with John Rogers, Lionel could compete next year. I fucking guarantee it. The, what you Americans yeah. do, and you, it's so frustrating to watch as a non-American. These American long-course triathletes who can't swim, they stay in these systems that have like are never going to make them good swimmers. The only good American swimmers are guys who have done it as kids and through college. They don't produce mm-hmm. great adult swimmers. It never happens because you don't, 
you don't get it. As a country, you don't get how to do that. You need to come out to Australia where name an Australian who races in professional long course triathlon who doesn't come out of the water at very worst mid pack, but usually front pack. Like we have shitty long course triathletes right now, but we have a disproportional amount of front pack long long course swimmers. Amberger, Apo, Pete Jacobs. Pete Jacobs would show up to the Ironman World Championships and swim front pack right now. He'd be fair enough. He'd be stepping off the bike seven k into it, but he would be. We've got so many athletes like that. Lionel Sanders needs someone to tell him, Lionel, get the fuck out of North America. You are literally costing yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars by not getting it and living in your North American bubble. It's not where you're going to improve, Lionel. You're going to keep swimming the same way you have the last six years. Same with Sam Long. They need to get out of North America, boys. Come to Noosa. Come get... Come get nurtured Come by get JR. JR. JR will nurture you. And by nurture, I mean lightly bully you. I don't know if you. he'll nurture you. Yeah, he'll, he'll lightly you bully you into being a mid-pack swimmer, not coming out of the water fucking seven minutes back from the league group. The boys, like Talbot, give Lionel that advice and tell him if he doesn't take it, he's a um, he's an idiot. <laughs> I'll do that. Although he has a newborn, so he's he's kind of on hold for a little bit at least. Noosa is a great a place for babies. Babies love Noosa. Know, That's a you. fact. Hey, I love Noosa. I that, that Noosa is my favorite place in Australia. I'm to too many places, but I love Noosa. Yeah. So as much as I love staying on this call with you guys, we'll do it again. We got to do it again. Well, Jack, we'll just do it again without Kyle. I mean, he's going to be, I think he's going to be on the phone with Sebastian next week anyways. <laughs> I reckon we just get Sebastian in. Sebastian wouldn't even have himself on that list, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give it, I just wanted, Talbot knows I like picking underdogs and being like the person that's like picking the He likes to call the upsets not... and all that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because cause it, it never works out, but then whenever it does, you're like, aha, I told you. Okay. Wow. So I love it. What happens, Jack, does Sebastian Keenley make your top 10 list? If I'm, we're playing a big what if game right now. If Sebastian goes and wins Kona next year. No. Podiums in Kona next year. Well, yes. Like in a hypothetical world where, like I've said to you, Kyle, if my auntie has a penis, she's my uncle. <gasps> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's not going to happen. If he did, maybe he'd be a little bit higher up on the discussion list. He still wouldn't be fucking number one. He'd be in the discussion for number 10 or number nine. Like number one. What? That's fair. Yep. Yep. Talbot, you want to close this out like only you know how? Yes, I sure will. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in this week. Uh, Special thanks to Jack of How They Train Podcast. We highly encourage you, if you're listening from our side, to head over and check out Jack's podcast. You can find him on Instagram, uh, how they train podcast. Uh, and you can also find Jack's personal Instagram. And if you have any coaching questions or need any advice, you can reach out to Jack himself, which he's attached to his Instagram. If you're tuning in from the, how they train podcast, uh, we'd love to have you over. Uh, racing's getting pretty boring now. So maybe don't tune in to pro try news this, uh, but next year's time when racing kicks back up, Tune in. We'll try to fill you in on the results and the drama going on behind the scenes. Brother Nat, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. And big thank you to you, Jack, for joining in. Love it, boys. I, I thank you for having me on because, as you know, 
I love triathlon and you boys love triathlon. And like I've said earlier, we have some fucking dinosaurs in this sport. You boys aren't dinosaurs. We do. Kyle, Kyle you know, he's made me question everything I thought by that, that list. But <laughs> you're great people. You're great people for the sport. You're producing quality content that we need. Don't stop. Get more aggressive. Keep making content. Give people what they need. Let's change this fucking game. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks, Jack. We'll chat soon. My man. Bye.